What's up, Tyler? How you doing, Chris? <laughs> I'm actually trying to figure out how to pronounce uh, one of the words um, of the um, the book we're going to go book over. we're going to go through, and uh, I still can't pronounce it. So, hello. We'll just start like this, and we'll go like um. this. Show. Yep. <laughs> well, welcome to my garage. Thank you very much. Studio. It's actually warm in here. I think they have a heater. Do you have a heater in here? I do have oh, a, heater. a heater in here. Yeah. Oh, it's right there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Keep it warm. What are we drinking on? Uh, we are drinking today um, Guayaki Iramate. It is my favorite energy drink. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's an energy drink. It's uh, I, I like it better in coffee. It's uh, more natural than most of the other energy drinks you see, the monsters and all that. It doesn't have any sugar. It doesn't have any carbonation. Hmm. Um, I, I prefer it. It's a little bit more expensive than a lot of those, but uh, I, I, I like it quite a bit. So is it a tea or is it... Yes, it's like a tea. Okay. Uh, yerba mate is a, um, is a leaf-like uh, a bush from South America. and they well, Right? South America? Something like that. South America, and it's really good. Cool. But yes, it's like tea. Well, to introduce you to everybody, this is my friend Tyler Hurst. Hi, my name's Tyler. I am a freelance writer and uh, business development guy uh, here in Portland. I have a couple of clients uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, for one, where Chris and I actually uh, uh, collaborate a little bit is uh, Score Running. And we both have uh, our shoes on today. Get right guy. there. He's got his Score of X and I have my, I have my forms on. Um, they're out of Seattle. I work with them quite often. I also work with Schilling Cider. Um, I work with a couple of smaller, I do a couple of smaller projects on the side. And, um, I also work with World Domination Summit, which is a, um, a yearly event held in July, which Chris helped out on this year, uh, that teaches people how to live a, a, a non-conforming life in a normal corporate basic world. Um, and Guayaki actually sponsored it, which is why we're drinking Guayaki today again, because they're awesome. So thank you for sponsoring WDS. Um, and uh, <laughs> you could always send me a free case if you see this. So, <laughs> so author, I would say product, did, product evangelist. Yes, product evangelist is a good way. Brand, product, yeah. brand or product evangelist, yep. Um, and all around, I don't want to call it self-help, but... Uh, it's, I would say it's a, it's a version of that. Um, for anyone who doesn't know Seth Godin, he is a, a, an author and internet sort of personality. Um, I would say he's much more of an author than, than, the, than the latter. Uh, he has been, uh, he got a job at Yahoo years and years ago and basically kind of figured out how to write books that uh, helped push people toward doing what they, not that they should be doing necessarily. Are meant to do. Meant to do, yes. Aligning their, I always say, aligning their passion yep. um, with their income. Uh, Seth Godin always does an awesome job. We're going to be uh, going through a few e excerpts of from his, his book His today. latest book, actually. His latest book, uh, What to Do When It's Your Turn, and It's Always Your Turn, is the latest book in his Domino Project series, which I was actually introduced to Seth uh, as part of his uh, crowd and street team. Uh, when the Domino Project first started, which is a way, it's really a way to um, to to publish books on a mass scale without going through an existing publisher. So he's able to do it quicker. He's able to do uh, in smaller quantities, uh, and he's able to uh, connect directly with the readers. There's no middleman in between 
um, in between there. And I bought his book, uh, like I do all of his books. I held out for the longest time and didn't do it and didn't do it and didn't do it. Uh, and then I finally ended up buying one book and he sent me two. Uh, because that's what Seth Godin does because he's smart about marketing type stuff and he knew that people like me and Chris just kind of eat this stuff up. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I read it in the first day and I thought immediately of, of coming on here to talk to, to talk to you about it. Um, Very cool. So, yeah. Yeah, well, um, I think first things first, uh, we've picked out a few excerpts uh, from this book, a few concepts. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, introduced to this book and a few of the concepts kind of hit me directly a lot in what I'm trying to do with the Portland Creative, um, facing my fears, shutting up that voice in my head, or or just understanding the purpose of that voice yeah. in my head. Yeah, or, or, and, and also, uh, too, something he talks about is you know, doing something purposefully. Um, I know that uh, a lot of us now with different jobs and different ways to, to, to support ourselves while we, you know, we don't always work, we're not always in our passion field, um, <laughs> but it's also important to have purpose. And that's what um, uh, Seth is very good at kind of stripping away a lot of our fears and worries and, and um, stuff that we're taught throughout school about being obedient uh, for obedience sake, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, tends to be counterproductive, especially in a world now where we're probably, where we're, probably we're not going to have jobs for 25 years the same company i'm pretty much guaranteed unless that company is td hearst llc or chris franklin llc uh i am i am certain that we will not have jobs uh those type of jobs we will not retire from what do you think that is that calls to us Uh, uh, you mentioned the world domination Mm -hmm. summit um just the practice of not conforming i think most of that stuff is kind of (laughs) (laughs) um when I first even saw the World Domination Summit, I thought, oh, life coach, bull, bullshits. When I first saw uh, Seth Godin, it was the same thing. Um, the idea is that we're not really – we've always been searching for something. It's just we haven't been able to – we haven't lived in a world that's been so rich. And by rich, I mean um, you know, we're, no, we're likely not going to starve um, even if we don't make a lot of money, you know, I mean, there's way that money, food's cheap, all that stuff. I mean, we might get fat and live in a crappy house, <laughs> but we won't, we won't die. Right. Um, and now that we have all, a lot of spare time and a lot of, a lot of spare resources and a lot of spare energy, uh, we can use that to do the things that we've always kind of wanted to do to give uh, to other people and to, and to receive back. Right. Um, Seth is big on calling everyone an artist and an artist is something who produces work and gives it away. Um, that may, it takes many forms uh, mm-hmm. for you. It could be modeling. That's, that's something, <laughs> that's something that Jimmy, I mean, you could pay for that too, but, it, but also yeah. it's part of your, it's part of what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's charisma. It's also charisma for you. You give away charisma for free. You talk to people and you, you smile at them and you have a good time with them. And that's part of your gift of what you can do. I, and get angry a lot um <laughs> and write blogs uh, about it I, write blog, I blog posts about it um but what i try to do is i help try uh, help uh, uh people try to fix problems that other that, that most people cannot i'm really good at connecting things together um and that's uh, i think one of the gifts that i'm able to give um yeah. i've uh very proud of been able to raise money for friends uh, who have been facing medical uh, uh, uh issues with either them or their spouses or their kids um, and all those things are really cool to be able to say hey I helped that family raise X amount of dollars and it prevented them from having to go bankrupt because of some thing. What do you think compels you to do um, stuff like that? Because you do volunteer your time yes, and you lot. are very effective 
at uh, contributing to events, uh, different different uh, meanings mm-hmm. around uh, Portland. You've introduced me to a lot of key um, elements as I've gotten comfortable in Portland as small as far as small business mm-hmm. and um, like with Scora, uh, with World Domination Summit, um, with the Strength Finder. So you know, know right, right over there behind <laughs> your behind the camera. Uh, building yourself, um, you you contribute a lot to Portland, and uh, what do you, what do you attribute that to? Um, but this is I'll tell you a story. It's, it's, it's related to you, but not directly related to you. My mom, uh, when I was a kid, she used to uh, chaperone a lot of our field trips because we had a big uh, we had a big suburban. We could take you know eight kids or whatever else. And it was always funny because my mom always got always was a little worried about going on chaperoning because all the worst kids in the class would always be in my group. <laughs> Every single time. If you were the bad kids, and I didn't really hang out with them, it's just, but if you were a bad kid or in somehow not a normal, you know, normal, you know, everyday person, mm-hmm. um, I always saw some, some way to help those people. Okay. Not necessarily fix them or anything. That's not what I mean. I mean, help them. Help them overcome something. Help them do more with something. Help them connect dots. Um, and that's, and, and because I, uh, if you ever see me online, I'm a huge critic of very many things. Uh, <laughs> I, but I also believe in backing up what you say. So I figure if I'm going to criticize a lot, I had better be willing to fix it when the opportunity uh, presents itself. Right. And so, um, uh, with people and my friends and uh, my family of sorts, um, I've always been kind of a fixer and a helper. And you know those weird little problems you don't really know how to like oh, call Tyler. He'll might figure out something about <laughs> something. He's got enough spare time because that's all he does. Um, but not only criticize. What you do is you. Well, my my hope is to improve. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yeah. Um, and 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 for when I bring up brand evangelist. When you do see something you like, yeah. you really do get behind it yes. and, and become rocket fuel for that shit. Yes, both the both the clients that I have right now, Schilling and Scora, I was hired on because I kind of wouldn't go away. Um, I was just a huge <laughs> fan, and I kept going. I applied. Hey, Guayaki, I applied to work for Guayaki, and they haven't they haven't uh, called me back yet. But <laughs> but yeah, um, I've always been really fortunate because uh, not always been really fortunate. I learned a couple of year a uh, bunch of years ago in uh, with social media and the internet. Um, all of a sudden, this big world of uh, that was that was prevent we couldn't you know connect all the time like big brands you couldn't connect with big brands because mm-hmm. they were either corporate headquarters was in so New York distant. or they were so big and and you were you could never get to the person to an actual person mm-hmm. um, but the internet has has made that so much smaller and in my work in with a couple of boutique agencies in Manda Vega. Um, and Gangplank in in Arizona, uh, I'm fortunate to travel to New York and to LA and to conferences and to get into boardrooms and to meet people behind all these things Mm -hmm. that previously wasn't possible. And so once I figured out that a normal person, uh, I can consider myself fairly normal. I'm not, I'm not rich. Um, I'm not poor, but I'm, you know, I don't have any sort of huge advantages like an Ivy league education or, or anything like that. Uh, could could do these things. They could actually meet these people and affect them and work with them and and in my hope inspire and learn from them is my is my thing. So when I I'm kind of a um, I I don't really collect people, but I but I I like being inspired by all different kinds of personalities and and drives and all that. And most people that I work with are actually more driven than I am. 
um, which is something I want to learn from them so bad, <laughs> how to focus on one thing. Uh, for Chris, it's like, well, I'm just professionally good looking. Um, I haven't figured that out yet, so I'm working on that too. So if you could teach yeah. me a little bit of well, that, I, that'd be impressive. I figured that yes. out. I figured that out early. Um, <laughs> it's just something that I do. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so we... Uh, We've gone through this book. Uh, it is uh, Seth has some has some uh, events coming up. Um, it just came out, and we've picked uh, three things that are uh, really holding us. I think I think holding me back for sure. Um, oh, I could uh, definitely relate. Much. I could definitely um, relate to a lot of these topics. Uh, but it's 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 something that's important that. Um, that uh, Chris is going to start off with, uh, and you're, he's going to pronounce that first word that neither of us can do. Okay, so the first word, I'll put it out there for you. It's uh, Sankara Dukkha. San- Sankara Dukkha? Sankara Dukkha, the suffering that your fear causes. Obviously, that is a, a, an Indian word. There you go. Um, and, and there's a sentence that briefly sums this all together. Um, the thing is, the suffering is all invented. It's all based on expectations you set in advance, not on actual, on not on actually what's happening. Yeah, uh, and so what this means um, to me from 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 reading a lot of Seth or reading a lot of similar type things, it uh, our bodies um, cannot tell the difference between uh, perceived fear and real fear. So going up and speaking and going up to to speak on a stage is as scary to our bodies as being chased by a bear. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't know the difference. Our bodies can react the same way. Our brain knows the difference. Our logical side does. And so a lot of times we get scared of doing things. We get scared of changing jobs. Uh, not, not because of, you know, not because we're going to go get home, homeless. We don't have a paycheck. We get scared because change is scary. <laughs> um, we get scared of screwing up. Um, I know I do. I've written some, or I've not written or not released some <laughs> right. books because I thought they were going to be bad and everyone was going to laugh at me. What's going to happen? Well, I'm not going to die from that. Like, I'm not going to be killed. Um, but my body doesn't know that. My body is just as scared. And that causes tremendous levels of stress. There's a lot of uh, mm-hmm. office workers who have this about, you know, you're all tensed up every single day. Well, your body thinks that you're under attack. You're literally under attack. I'll tell you how it relates to me as a model and a good, you know, a professional good looker, as you call it. Um, <laughs> I have what some would call an innate fear of cameras. And for some reason, I place myself in front of that fear yeah. yep. oftentimes. Yes. Uh, I'll go into castings. I'll know my lines verbatim. The moment that camera turns on, I go blank. And this still happens. I've been doing this for 10 years plus. Um, It still happens to this day. There's that stage fright that will never go away. For some reason, I enjoy that Mm -hmm. confrontation with myself. Um, I do it often. I live very much within my fears Mm -hmm. because I know at the end of it, I'm okay. Um, and a lot of the times I need to know that I'm okay. And my brain will tell me that this is the scariest thing you've ever body's faced in you your that. life. Your body's telling you that. My bo- okay. Your subconscious <laughs> in your brain. Yeah. Your, your primitive, primitive brain functions are saying that. Right. Saying, and, run, run. <laughs> and when I come out of it every time, whether, yeah. whether I kill it or, or it's a complete failure, 
Guess what happens? Same thing. I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. You're always going to be, you're most of the time going to be okay. <laughs> and that, and that's, and that's a, I mean, that's a perfect pro example of this is a lot of times people think that successful people, and I'm meaning people who are happy with what they do. Mm-hmm. That's my meaning of, my meaning of success is being able to travel anywhere you want to at any time. Um, I'll, you know, I'm working on that, but um, for people happy with what they do. Um, the fear never really goes away because your body's always going to react that way. The key is, and what Chris does very well, um, is to understand that and work with it and mm-hmm. understand that fear is going to happen. You can't avoid it. You can't get rid of it. You have to manage it. Uh, for me, the equivalent a lot of times, uh, especially when I was in Arizona, was anger. Uh, and I learned to use anger as a fuel. It made me want to go out and run. It made me want to write more. It made me want to, uh, gave me energy to, to you, you, a lot of times if you see me at an event, um, if you ever texting with me, I am furious at a thousand <laughs> different things. So true. But what I do is I use that anger as fuel to get stuff done. I'm not yelling mm. at people or punching anyone. Um, I am keeping it on a back channel, but that's what I've learned to be able to do. If you, I mean, if you check Chris's, I messages are my wife's and anytime I'm busy, they're like, Oh my God, he hates the world. <laughs> it's not true. Um, but my body thinks it is. And so mm-hmm. I know I'm freaking out. So as long as you're able to roll with that, um, this is extremely important because you know, most of the things that we're scared of aren't actually going to hurt us. Yeah. Can you think of a time in your life where you apply this to yourself? Uh, apply this to myself, uh, f- uh... or an interaction where it happens. Uh, yeah. Um, running, uh, running's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so scared as I'm a, I'm a running, uh, I'm a shoe evangelist or brand evangelist for a running company. Every time I enter a race, I, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm afraid that I'm a trip. I'm afraid that I'm a throw up. I'm afraid that I'm a crap my pants. I'm afraid that I'm going to go the wrong way. I'm afraid that I'm going to look like a, like a 35 year old out of shape fat guy running down the, running down the road. And I'm supposed to be a, you know, a, an example of a runner. Right. Um, and it scares the hell out of me uh, to do that. And I think one of the reasons that I've kept doing it and kept running and kept trying is because the same reason that you're scared of cameras, I really don't like running all that much. Um, it, But the act, of, I love the act of running and it yeah. keeps me going back. And every time I'm finished, I feel better or I feel safe or I feel whatever else. There's just an accomplishment. Yes, yes. And plus it's the, the endorphins from running, which is a similar thing that you get from overcoming fear is, uh, physically uh, is definitely worth it. But yeah, that's been a big one is people always talk about, well, you must really love running. I'm like, no, not really. Um, I love the act of it uh, and I love the effects of it and I love all that. But the actual part of running, not really all that exciting yeah. to me. Yeah, I could tell you uh, when I was running my marathon just recently uh around mile 13 i was asking myself what the hell am i doing and this is only halfway through it yeah um but once again it goes back to there's that reward with every step i take i'm conquering something within me Mm -hmm. as my mind is telling me to stop my body just keeps on going and and it it, at the end of it you realize you can accomplish anything Mm mm-hmm you could accomplish anything ahead of you. Um, and it, I use it as a powerful tool. I, I use it as an analogy for uh, different events that I go through um, in my life, whether it's finding a new job or powering off the camera. One second, we're going to take a break and get this camera working again. All right. One moment.
camera on and we are back <laughs> sorry about that a little technical difficulties back from intermission back oh. from intermission i didn't move <laughs> we're gonna go on to uh the next subject uh in the book which is uh okay something... which is this is one that i have had a ton of problems with um they always talk about uh i have been for most of my life uh a a writer um and I think what separates a lot of, uh, you know, of writers from people who type um, is that there is sort of a voice in my head that isn't really connected to my actual speaking voice. Mm -hmm. So when I type, I'm not saying the words in my head as I type them. They're just being typed, if that makes any sense. You're right. Uh, I go straight from my brain to my fingers or whatever I'm doing. And so... Um, my my actual voice in my head that you know are almost thoughts internal can, dialogue has lots of time to kind of hang out on its own it has time to to talk and it has time to critique my work and make fun of it and and uh, a lot of times when I edit uh, I, I always make jokes about you know copy because that's a way to make editing a little bit more fun mm -hmm. but when you do that to yourself you then you get insulted and you're like what the hell <laughs> um, and so that's what my inner voice does a lot of times is it will um, kind of denigrate what you're doing and that's what a lot of artists inner voice do um and so when i saw this piece in seth godin's book it just nailed it and i'm gonna explain it really quick uh with a little sports analogy but i'm gonna read it because he did a really good job with it <laughs> okay uh think of you're watching a baseball game okay and the um something happens on the field and then the announcer explains what happens or adds some color commentary to it so someone hits a home run and or swings the bat, hits the ball. As it's going, Dave Niehouse is making the call. You know, back, 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 grand salami time, all those fantastic things. Well, picture if we separate the video and the audio and then put the audio six seconds ahead of the video. So what happened is the announcer would say something and then it would happen on the field. Mm -hmm. If we didn't know any better, we may think the announcer is actually making that information happen. I mean, hopefully we all know that there's a delay. <laughs> but we may think that the announcer either can see in the future or is making that actually happen. Right. Okay? So we don't know. What I, what I didn't realize is that uh, a lot of researchers and philosophers, a bunch of other people, said, the voice in your head is describing what you're about to do after a different part of your brain has already initiated that action. So the voice in, that we have in our head that's, that's, that we think is giving us advice or telling us to shut up or telling us to talk more or whatever, telling us to have another swig <laughs> is actually not telling us what to do. It is narrating decisions that we've already made, that I already said that I was, I already decided to grab, pick up that can. And then my voice, the voice in my head said, hey, you should pick up that can. And then I said it out loud. So it's more like that than is... Than is anything else, you know, subconscious part of our brain. Monday night quarterback. Yes, yeah, basically, right. yes. So that's exactly what it is. It's or, or Monday morning quarterback, and it's yeah, Tuesday yeah. morning, and whatever it is. <laughs> Take a second to digest exactly what we're talking about here. All right, because the chattering voice in our head is busy pretending it has agency, it's in fact just along for the ride. Your body decides the voice in your brain narrates. And by body, I also mean, you know, subconscious parts of our brain too. The parts that we're not always control of. Of course, you know, there's a cycle to this. You know, you go back and forth. But this was, this kind of floored me. Because 
there are many things that the voice in my head says, hey, you shouldn't do that because that's scary. You shouldn't sign up for a marathon. You shouldn't keep on showing up at these cider events and keep talking about stuff. <laughs> or um, you shouldn't keep hanging out with Chris. He makes you look ugly next to it. You know? Shut up. <laughs> All these things. Go. And, um, and so, and it's, it's, it's funny because, my, because you, you think that the, the voice in your head is correct. Right. Um, and the one thing that I learned from, uh, from Eckhart Tolle, which another, another author that I assumed was crazy until I actually listened to his stuff, um, we are not our minds. So the voice that we have in our minds, not actually us, it's kind of a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, we make decisions much more efficiently and directly than we think that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, that we decide to do things before, you know, before our voice gets in there and that a lot of the things that we want to do and know we should do and all this stuff, the voice is just fear. That's right. all that it is. It's not reasonable. It is not all knowing. It is not protecting us I and mean, it's protecting us from change but it's not mm-hmm. protecting us in any sort of good way um and that really really floored me uh when i when i thought of it that way mm-hmm. i i bring up a lot with the portland creative uh getting in your flow yep. and i think that's uh kind of what you're talking about when you're writing directly mm-hmm. it goes straight from your brain to your fingers and there's not that dialogue yes um, for me, a lot of that, the times, the dialogue is the reason I'm not going to present my work. Yeah. Uh, most of the time. It's honestly. most of the time. Yeah. It, it's that self-critique. Um, sometimes I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just going to put out shitty work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just to get it out. Yep. And then I can critique. And then I can improve. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, even when you say shitty work, it's actually not even, you don't even really know that it's shitty because you did the work and then your brain had the comment on it. So at the time it was actually just the work that happened. Right. Um, if you, if you think about, um, uh, think of a sculptor, a sculptor starts with a big block. Like a, if you're going to, you're going to uh, sculpt marble, start mm-hmm. with a big block of marble and then you take away everything that's not the statue essentially. Right. Right. Um, a lot of times writers and me, especially as trained as a journalist, I only write the words that I need to write. If I need to write 700 words, I write 700 words. But, and then if you know, if you need to go to a photo shoot, you just go to a photo shoot and you take some pictures and then you leave. Mm-hmm. But there's actually so much more that we need to and should be doing that we then strip away. Um, that's not wasted. We all, I think it's wasted. You may, you know, you think, well, why am I going to do, why am I going to pretend to do a photo shoot in my own garage or whatever else? Practice like that's practice, right. but Practice doesn't really do anything unless you're in, at this point, you know, does it really help because right. um, it feels wasteful, but it's not. Um, and I think that it, once we um, see that stuff as important and as, and it's not shitty, it's just work. Work is work or, 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 or uh, gifts or gifts or, or, um, um, you know, whatever creative thing that you're, that you're producing. That's just, that it is what it is mm-hmm. um, to, to worry about shitty or not is a whole different set of your brain that we shouldn't be listening to while, while we're creating and a lot of times we get stuck editing while we're creating and that's terrible because you <laughs> don't know afterwards it's a it's the reason for writer's block yes. it's the reason yes. for that we don't yes. share our what we produce yes. it's the reason for practice yes. you know it is yeah. practice when it can actually be content mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, I mean, a lot of and not, not that we're saying that we're going to be famous after we die but a lot of great artists work was never appreciated until they were gone because, you know, let's say Vincent van Gogh made 500 pieces of art, but only 50 of them were amazing. 
Well, mm-hmm. once you're gone, then all we have time to do is look at your old stuff. And the bad stuff gets tossed away. And then we never, we don't remember him for any of the bad stuff that he did. We remember them right. for only the fantastic stuff. You know, Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. I'm sure he did a lot of crap. You know, I'm sure he painted mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of chapels. Not painted a lot of chapels, but did a lot of things that were just horrible. Do you think we're um, going to see Britney Spears the same way? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> hey, I grew up on uh, Baby One More Time and Crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you, even bought, you even bought the plaid skirt? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love, thank you, Napster, for introducing me to all those music videos. <laughs> so, but it's tough because, you know, as normal, as not as fairly normal people, we still have to earn money and, and work and be, hang out with friends and, and do all those other things. But um, that, that creative artist mindset is it's so important to just separate that voice from whatever you're doing and just do and worry about right. the rest later. Um, right. Cre- you're, what you're doing is you're, because... A lot of what uh, I've had a problem with uh, understanding creativity, it's not tangible. So if it's not like if I'm not painting a picture or, you know, designing a designing a couch or designing something, mm-hmm. it's it's worthless because it's just digital or, you know, your pictures don't your pictures aren't really anything. They're just I mean, they're pictures. Yeah. They're pictures. Um, mm-hmm. But you're creating a whole block of work that you can then chisel down to your best stuff. Um, and not only that work builds upon itself yes, and it compounds yes, and if you don't record what you have done yep. already you have to start over every single time yeah. so if you do record or make impressions or write and you're able to look back on your body of work you see it develop into that mm-hmm. sculpture of course yep, yep. like you don't yep. take one hammer to the uh the block of concrete and it turns into something no i mean maybe after 50 years of of doing it you can figure out a way but um <laughs> you know this is a true i mean you can talk about movies as a great example of this uh you know movies two hours long but mm-hmm. you know they have ten five thousand hours of footage to make that two-hour movie right and i'm probably actually underestimating how many hours of footage yeah. it actually takes but um uh, that's i mean that's important to learn it's something that people who do not create full-time that don't understand a lot. People like us who are not, I mean, we're mostly creative, but we're not full-time creative. We have other, right. uh, other responsibilities in our life, you know, paychecks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's, it, was, it, was, it was really fascinating to think about this, that your, your body decides and then your, the voice in your head then narrates your decision. It does not, it's not a reasonable um, uh, critic of, of what's <laughs> going on. It's just an asshole who's bored with nothing else to do because you've already made a decision, now can talk about it. Right. It's a heckler. Right. Absolutely. Um, hecklers, hecklers can be funny. Um, they can give you practice to, to, to go back and forth with them, but they're not really doing you anything. Right. I mean, they're YouTube comments if you want to go even worse. Oh, God. Yeah. Which just <laughs> scorch of the earth. So, anyway. So, that goes, that takes us to uh, the third section of the book that um, we were talking about. This hit home for me. Um, and it's a play on Nike's Just Do It. And it's. Oh, I think that's recording. Oh, yeah, it is. Never mind. It, it is. <laughs> I did that. Um, um, it's only do it. Yes. Okay, so. Only uh, do it. Let me show you this picture really quick. Uh, maybe we'll put up slides in the thing, but if not. Yeah, we could, we could do that. Uh, it's this picture right here. Uh, it's just a play on Nike, the famous Nike Just Do It, but only do it. Um, and so. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Keep going, thanks, Chris. Thanks Take it for off. the setup, Tyler. Um, what it's saying is that the, 
the definition of just is a specific definition of just. Yes. So for me, how that translates is it, 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 it's a direct correlation to what we were just talking about is only do it, live in it. If you've decided you're going to become a writer, only do it. Mm-hmm. Like delve into it. Um, well, I, right. Right. I mean, writers write. That's that's one of the things I was I, I, I joke about. That's why I have a hard time calling myself a writer because I don't write every day, and that's stupid. I mean, I'm admitting this, which yeah. is just embarrassing. But I don't write every day. I run more often. Sorry, I don't write uh, in a way that's producing something. I mean, I obviously write every day, emails and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't write to create different things. And I think, I mean, a lot of this falls away with like the practices that we do before we're about to accomplish our goal, like. First, I need to drink some tea before I write, because yes. that's that's what I typically do, and I need to get my mind in the in the right set and the right and frame. All that stuff, yeah. uh, and then and you know what? I got to take a shit. I got to take a shit yeah. before I write, because yeah. and oftentimes you just have to tell yourself to shut up mm-hmm. and write, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and you accomplish so much more. Um, you get through those barriers so quickly i think running running is actually a good analogy and, yes and, fantastic analogy and that's why it works so well with nike and athletics is no one wakes up on a cold morning <laughs> excited to run because your bed is so warm no one's <laughs> body no one's body wakes up excited to run your mind may right. be excited but your body's like you know i kind of want to stay in bed or it's raining again um, this is something I noticed in moving here mm-hmm. uh, from Arizona. Is I got up at five o'clock every morning and ran before it got too hot, and I was like, "This is really easy." Like, people, mm-hmm. not everyone does this. <laughs> and then I started getting up at five o'clock here, and it was a little different. Chilly. Oh, it's frigid. Chilly. It, there's a thousand different reasons of why it's hard. Wet. <laughs> it's wet. It's cold. But, um, yeah. my covers are so warm. But you know, when you get out, it takes maybe a minute into my run mm-hmm. that I'm like, this is where I am supposed mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. This is, and I, and I feel better than, than I would if I didn't accomplish those goals. Otherwise, I'd be in bed all day accomplishing nothing. Mm-hmm. Or, or for me, surfing the internet and reading it. I've, I may have read the entire internet by now. Um, <laughs> I'm not really sure what it's getting me, but I have read most of there it. There you so go. <laughs> I used to read novels back to back, and now I read uh, Gawker and Deadspin, which is uh, pretty sure that I'm, I, I went down. I went way downhill on that one. <laughs> um, so how do you apply that to your life? What, what, what for you should you only do it? Uh, for me, it was... <laughs> It was actually running. It was actually getting in shape. Um, uh, starting Star was running, but it was uh, it was losing weight. It was the biggest thing that I of uh, an only do it, just do it type of thing. Of, of like, well, how do you lose? You know, how do you lose weight if you want to lose weight? Mm-hmm. Right? He doesn't know what I'm talking about. But uh, yeah, what you you know? <laughs> do you work out? Do you lift weights? Do you run? Do you cut carbs? Do you do you go on Atkins? You know, what do you what? How do you lose weight? Well. Technically, you expend more calories than you take in. Than you take in, um, and this doesn't mean that you can run a marathon and eat a pizza every day. Uh, well, it probably does, but no one has time to actually do that. Um, what it means, really, is that you control the one thing that you have complete control of, mm-hmm. and that is your food intake. Right. You can choose how much food that you can eat. Right. Um, 
And so that's, that was an, you know, a, a single minded focus of just do that one thing. Um, and I did, I lost, 25, I, I lost 25 pounds when I did this. And it was, it was a fantastic way of understanding how all that stuff worked. Now, I, I obviously, it, yeah, there's maintenance and stuff that I messed up on because I, then I started running training for a marathon and then that whole messed up that whole thing. But, um, it was funny that the people think that the more they run, the more weight they'll lose. And that's never true. Yeah. Uh, I was reading some, some things the other day that said, if you want to be strong and feel good, work out. If you want to lose weight, eat less food or eat better, you know, eat, eat, eat less, better, eat, eat better so, and, mm-hmm. and fewer calories. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that was an interesting thing. If you want to lose weight, you just have to control how much food that you that, that you take in i don't necessarily agree coming from the model it's for me Cigarettes it's never coffee. it's never been the calorie counting it's the quality of yes. the calories um nutrition will change your life you eat the right foods and it fuels everything you do your mm-hmm. brain starts working better your mm-hmm. body starts working better and you're more motivated to use it um, for me, I actually eat well already. I just eat way too much of it. So my problem is okay. is cons- is uh, um, of quantity. But for you, it's different. And for most yeah. people, it is different. For most that that is very different. So yeah. you're, he's, you're you're very right. Is um, most people are switching from a bad food diet to a good food diet. And then as long as you stay on that thinking, that's a long term thinking and a mm-hmm. great way to do it. Um, mine was more my. My thing was more short-term, which is why I've yo-yoed back and forth for so long because I was always yo-yoing this, doing this, and doing that instead mm-hmm. of just focusing on this one simple thing that Chris has figured out. Um, and so, yeah, that makes total sense. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, going through this book, there's a lot of key features uh, that will really help creatives, hopefully in Portland, but around the world. Um, I mean, it's... A lot of illustrations, very easy to read. Uh, Tyler, you mentioned you got two of these. I did. Um, I was. I uh, Seth Godin is a is a pretty smart marketer. If you haven't figured out already, um, he paid me exactly nothing to do this, and I'm still. He paid me nothing to work on the Domino Project a couple of years ago, and all I got was, well, all I got. I I received free books and an awesome experience. Um, we have an extra one, so I'm going to give one away. Uh, so to a, a listener or viewer that would like, uh, what to do when it's your turn, I would ha- I'm happy to ship anywhere in the, uh, lower, uh, 48 States. I'll help you um, out with that. Absolutely. Or here, or here around Portland. Um, it's funny is there's actually a thing in the back that says, find the others. <laughs> so, uh, it's a book that's designed to be passed on. It's, it's, it's a book that I should mark up. Uh, I was taught not to hurt books at all. So that's why I used all these, uh, post-it notes, but I may actually do some actual marking in the margins and some notes and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you kind of write your name and your, and your email address and, and we can start passing this on. I give one to Chris, but he doesn't like to read. So, <laughs> uh, he likes this video audio <laughs> thing. Um, so I'm happy to, to, to send that out to, to somebody and we'll make sure and, and put this in here because it's, uh. It's just a fantastic uh, approach to, to life. Um, it's not a um, it's not a self help thing. I'm not telling anyone to quit their jobs and go eat, pray, love, or go uh, wilds out right now. Go walk Pacific Crest Trail. Is you can do so many things from where you are right now. You don't have to upend your life and your family and your everything else in order to be successful and be happy in what you do. And it's important to work with what you've got. Yes. Um, so if you'd like this book. Leave a comment in the Facebook page. That's facebook.com backslash the Portland Creative. And uh, we'll send it on out to the first person who gets it. Yep. Thank you, guys.
Thanks, Tyler, for coming out. Yeah, Can't thanks, wait man. to have you again. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. That was good.